Welcome everyone to this week's Global Intelligence Update. And as always, we've got a great guest with us this week, Johan Boerta, that's dialing in from Johannesburg in South Africa. So for those that don't know who Johan is, Johan is a consultant specializing in the digital age capabilities and practical skills to solve problems, grow people, facilitate change, dream, scheme, but mostly, most importantly, do. Johan facilitated dozens of technical and business transformation projects globally and across industries for almost four decades. He has received global recognition for his digital transformation, agile business and service management work from institutions like ISACA, ITSMF, HDI, and Thinker360. He authored and co-authored 17 books and is a regular guest on the conference and podcast scene. CEO of Get IT Right Netherlands, architect of Agile Adapt, EXIN chief examiner, which is uh, Agile and uh, dig Digital Transformation, and MPHILIT governance uh, lecturer at Nelson Mandela University. Wow, Johan, the accolades just go on and on. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't think it's accolades. It's just that my... My head is a bit noisy, so I have to keep myself busy with lots of things. <laughs> oh, no, that's, that's really great. And um, I can see that you're doing massive amounts of work and change around the globe. That's really amazing. So thank you for joining us this week. Is there anything that uh, I missed from um, that introduction? No. If, if anything comes up during the conversation, I'll mention it there. So cool. Okay. Oh, thank you. So um, for those that just joined in, if you have any questions, just drop it in in the chat box. And as soon as I get there, we'll we'll try and, and uh, get it answered. So, Johan, um, being in the field that you're in, I've got a few questions for you. And uh, there will be quite a few interesting questions. Some of our listeners would be very eager to know your, your take on this. Um, why do organizations need to reinvent themselves in the digital age and how can one do this? Okay, there's it's actually a multiple-faced question or a question with, with multiple answers. So uh, why should people reinvent themselves? Because if they don't, they did. That's the simple answer. Um, <laughs> why do I say that? Um the world around us is moving at a rapid pace and consumer behavior um, is busy changing and that to a large extent is driven by what what we are capable of doing today. You know, technology has enabled us to do things that were previously just unthought of. Um, and if, if, if you think that uh, what... What got you here will get you there. You're sorely mistaken. Um, and I think the danger for organizations is to assume that, yeah, because they were successful in doing things in the past, uh, yeah, that's okay to go to go on uh, on that trajectory. Um, it's unfortunately not true. Um, so I think all organizations, even those who are dependent on uh, products and services that they get from a network or a supplier or whatever need to reinvent themselves and need to reimagine how they can create value for customers. Um, not only because it's a good thing to do, but it's what their customers expect them to do. 
Yeah. Um, touching that, there's so many AI programs and software that are, are coming out. So, um, yeah, you have to stay up to date with these things and all these automations. And um, some of them can really make your business life much easier. Um, there are some very complicated ones, but in, in general, what is your, your take on these new emerging AIs and software that are coming out? All of these things are tools, and we need to realize that that's exactly what it is. If you, and, and I see this happening a lot, you know, people are, are starting to get lazy and think that the tool can do the job. Yeah. Uh, the the tool will do as good a job as the capability and the skills of the workman. Um, all that it means now that we need to actually, if you're an executive, you need to learn a new set of skills to be able to maximize um, the the benefits from the new tools to your disposal. Yeah, that's available that you can use, and if you don't. Um, then somewhere else else will 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 come up with the idea, and yeah, the part of the conversation is about innovation. Um, there's very little new ideas in the world, and and maybe we can explore that also a little bit later. Um, yeah, what do we mean by innovation? Yeah. Um, but remember, it's just a tool. AI is is cool, and it gives us capabilities that. Yeah, we just didn't have in the past, but you still need to be the master craftsman of your business and of your life for that matter. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you on that one. Um, then moving on to another question, why does everyone talk about being agile, yet most agile implementations fail? Um, because people don't want to change. Um, unfortunately, and this is a this is a trend that we've seen uh, repeating itself, you know, for decades. I don't know for for those of you on the call who's old enough to remember business process reengineering, yeah, in the in the what was it the the, the mid nineties, yeah, everybody was reengineering, but nobody was reengineering, um, and I, that's what Michael Hammer actually eventually said that the reason why so many of these initiatives fails is because people just said that they were. Now, if if you talk about you know, agile or digital transformation for that matter, it starts with a, a understanding that it means that you need to change. You know, so if you're an executive of an organization, the change starts with you. You can't implement agile. Yeah? You can't send a bunch of people on training and then expect the organization to behave differently. Uh, the behavioral change starts at the top of the organization. And I'm not saying that if it doesn't start there, it won't succeed. We can always try and do a, a bottoms up or a middle up, but the most successful uh, business agility transformations is is always top down. Yeah, so, and I think that's why it fails so much. Um, just because you, you call it something doesn't make it something. Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah, very interesting. Um, you, you mentioned Mike Hammer. Yeah. yeah so yeah, Hammer um, and Champy um, were the yeah. originators of the, the idea of, uh, of uh, uh, business process reengineering, which is actually a very simple concept. Um, and in fact, it's at the heart of the digital transformation move also. 
yeah, is to understand what what's necessary, um, and to get rid of what's unnecessary. Unfortunately, as human beings, we're really bad at that second bit. We love holding on to the past, yeah, and um, unfortunately, then what we do is we drag a bunch of BS with us um, in our business. And when I use that uh, abbreviation, I don't mean British standards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But is there any tips around that that you could give us? Um, you can help any entrepreneur out there. You know, it's actually quite interesting. Is most of these, let's call it pro progressive, ways of thinking about business, has got its root in in that. Um, in, in lean, yeah, in in thinking that's essentially 70 years old now. And yet we still struggle um grasping these these concepts. Um and and I think the the, the, the first tip is understand that yeah, whether it's lean, whether it's agile, whether it's uh, DX, whether it's any of these, uh, yeah, in the IT space, whether it's DevOps, yeah, any of these things, um, starts with a fundamental rethink about who you are as a business, uh, what the purpose of the business is, um, and being willing to change. Um, I think that one of the big things that holds us back is that the, the fact that we expect new behavior, but yet as executives in the organization, we keep on using old metrics. Now, Peter Drucker said, what gets measured gets done. So if you if you keep on measuring in the old way, um, you will you will keep on seeing the old behavior, yeah, because that's what you're measuring, that's what you're rewarding in the organization. Uh, the reality is that we can't use that matrix. Um, it's it's not appropriate for our context anymore. Yeah, uh, much of of those metrics actually comes from um, what's the guy that started the scientific movement, which wasn't scientific, by the way, um, uh, Frederick Taylor. Yeah, um, so it's amazing how much of Taylorism is still left in business thinking today. Um, and uh, I often say to people, stop thinking about, yeah, Frederick Taylor and start thinking about Frederick Laloux. So if you want to challenge yourself, um, here's some interesting reading. I don't know if you can see that. No, it doesn't. No. Uh, no, no. Okay. That's no, very blurry. So it's a, yeah, it's, it's because I've got my background on this blurry. Um, so go and read this book, Frederick Laloux, um, Reinventing Organizations. Uh, okay. oh, awesome. Um, I've got a, a question here from Philippe. He asked you, yeah. what are your experiences, experience the characteristics of people that do want to change so that we can indeed identify them too? Huh. That's an interesting question. You know what the difference between a good question and an interesting question is? Good, good <laughs> so questions nice. I can answer. <laughs> 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 um, I think that what you will find that in the organization, there's always people who's who's more tolerant um, towards changes happening. 
And I think, I suspect, I don't know this, um, they tend to be the guys who are suffering from ADHD, um, who actually loves it that you know, every time you, know, you talk about something, it's something new. Um, and and the, the, the important thing is if you want to move forward, you need people in the organization who's enthusiastic about the direction of the movement. Um, and there's lots of different change techniques out there. Um, and most of the best practice frameworks, I don't know why references Cotter, I don't like it. Um, we actually use Lean as a, a change management um, um, tool for that matter, because evolutionary change is always better than the revolutionary change. I know that revolutionary change are are necessary from time to time. And even in Lean, you know, we talk about Kaizen and Kaikaku and Kaikizen and yeah. And yeah. So yes, most of the stuff that that actually what that we do or should do in the organization is is evolutionary. Um so make small little bits of change, but do it all of the time. Yeah. Um and in in fact that's that's the the heart of our um our transformation method that we call it that um, is is an iterative approach. You see, here's the thing. Um, <sighs> complexity brings inertia. If you look at a big problem, you're going to keep on staring at that problem. You're going to do nothing about it because it, the mountain is just so big. So the, the trick is, is to start somewhere and get going. Um, so really, I mean, don't be the don't be the deer that's standing in the middle of the road with the oncoming uh, coming lights. Yeah, just turn your head. Yeah, distract yourself. Start somewhere. Do something, um, even if it's wrong. Um, because by 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 doing something that that's most probably not appropriate for your context, you've learned something. You've learned that you shouldn't do that. But it's really important that you actually do learn, learn from your mistakes. Incidentally, I just quickly want to leave this with you. There's lots of people running around saying fail fast, fail fast, fail fast. There's a context for fail fast. And that context is if you if you act and behave in an uncertain environment. Yeah. If you don't know then it's better to try things, to experiment and be wrong than not to do anything. In a stable environment, so in typically in your operational environment, don't fail fast because you should know better. And yeah, if you keep on failing fast in your, your operations environment, you should get fired, quite honestly. Yeah. That's just done. Or get a coach. <laughs> well... <laughs> Yeah. That is that that assumes that you want to learn, yeah, mm. and and I think that's all of us must realize that there's always something we can learn, and 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 getting a coach is a is an awesome opportunity for you to grow, but that that that's that's based on the on the the condition that you're willing to learn. And that you're willing to recognize that yeah, something is wrong, or that you're doing something wrong, or you don't see the full picture, or um and unfortunately there are some people that's just 
too clever to be coached. Sure. So, there's, um, a, there's an interesting uh, book that, that you yeah. can also read. Um, by the way, it's got nothing to do with the subject, but it just brings me to to uh, to a thought. Um, sorry, I also suffer from ADHD, so I go squirrel on conversations. Um, <laughs> the, the the story of Netflix, um, the, the the book's name is No Rules Rule. Um, one of the principles of of, uh, of of Netflix is they they say they don't employ brilliant jerks. They employ people who are capable, but what's more important for them is that they can work uh, in a team. Uh, so team cohesion is more important for them than than technical skill. Um, and I think that is becoming more and more appropriate um, in our fast-paced world. Yeah, is is your your ability to to work with other people and and leverage the strength of other people and allowing other people to leverage your strength. Um, it's really important. Yeah. Uh, just just to touch what you said previously. So um, Philippe says here, fail in the time frame that you have, maybe learn fast from it. Yeah, Philippe, we've got a whole conversation about this. If I don't know if you're familiar with, with um, the sense-making framework called Kinevan. Uh, just nod your head if you if you are. Um Okay, it's it's okay to fail fast in the complicated and comp, uh, 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 and, and and complex environments. It's not okay um, to to fail fast below the below the line because you should know better. Yeah, uh, thanks for for sharing that, uh, Philip. Please, Philip, just share the the Netflix never uh, will never work. Is it a yeah the book? Um, now the then, book that I'm talking about is um, no rules rule. Okay. 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 So um, then then carrying on, Johan, why do innovative ideas seldom translate into commercial success? And can you make sure this does not happen? <laughs> yeah. um, yes, you can most of the time. Um, I think there are two or three reasons why why innovative ideas often don't translate into commercial success. Um, one of the reasons may be because the idea is is too early. Yeah, if if you think about it, um, the first guy who who built a combustion in, engine was a guy by the name of Robert Street. He built that in the late nineteen uh, sorry seventeen hundreds. I think seventeen ninety. Two, three. Yeah. It took more than a hundred years for somebody to take that idea and do something commercially with it. Yeah. So, so quite often it's because we don't have the tools, or or the community is not ready for the idea. That doesn't mean it's a bad idea. But what you need to do is you need to quickly realize that the idea is not a fruitful idea now. Yeah. And um, there are tools and techniques that you can do use to 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 do that. What you do then is you park it. Yeah, and you focus on things that's that's more productive. Um, can we? Okay, so I'm, I suppose all of you are familiar with 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 the concept of the the, um, um, the fusion of innovation. That's the sort of the, the product life cycle stage. Um, and Jeffrey Moore, who later 
um, identified that there's a gap between the beginning of that 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 phase and you know commercial success. Um, the 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 trick is to get over that gap, and there's actually two ways that we can do that. And I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to quickly look for a for a for a slide um, to illustrate that. Okay, I need to do something first before I do that. Um, Okay, let me share my Lippe screen sharing, quickly. Leap is sharing all the, the links. <laughs> Thanks, Philippe. Um I'll I'll try my best to uh, to to um to remember things that, that that I said so that I can share that with everybody. Um in our approach we basically found out that there's in essence five types of innovation that basically happens. And it does relate to um this diffusion of innovation curve um so i i the the um um the planes i think is a is a good way of quickly thinking about it so type one innovation is really coming with up, up with those unique ideas that are just out of the box um and that blows some people away but most probably will not get over the chasm. Um, incidentally, this happens very seldom. Yeah. Um, and it also succeeds seldomly. Yeah. The, the second type of innovation, so this is now these new customers and a new product that the results. And when I use the word product, I mean service also. Yeah. So I grew up in the days when product was goods and services. Yeah. So I do include both. Uh, when I talk about products. Um, so totally unique idea. Type two innovation is that, and, and this is one of the types of innovations that organizations can use to be more successful more often, is to realize that there are lots of people out there who wants to buy existing products, but they're too complex and most probably too expensive to do that. Clayton Christensen called this disruptive innovation. Most people think type one is disruptive innovation. It's not. Disruptive innovation is somebody that comes up with something that can do something that's already been done, but simpler, most probably worse, but cheaper. And that opens up a whole new market. The reason why it's disruptive is some of the people that's buying the expensive, complex thing today will also start buying that. Okay, so new customers, but existing products. Then you've got new products, um, but existing customers. What you'll find is some of the people who's buying what you buy, what you're selling today is buying it not because it was designed for them. They're buying it because they, it helps them to do a job that nobody else can do. And you'll typically find that they use a very small subset of your product. Yeah? Um, so the trick here is to identify who those people are and then to zoom in. On, on their needs. Uh, the cool thing is that yeah, these people are already sitting on the right side of the chasm. Yeah, they're pragmatists. They're not chance takers. Yeah, they're not early adopters. Um, and you can scale that quite quickly. Type four innovation is just making your product better and better and better. Problem with that is it becomes more expensive and clunky and you know, complex and eventually, yeah, it's just not nice to use. And then type five innovation is actually innovating on how we do things. Um, so 
if I if I go on to the next slide, yeah, if it does, okay. Some of these things, though, you have to, and this is why does innovation fail? You have to do using the resource of the organization, but not the constraints of the organization. So you need to go and create an innovative space where the rules of the organization don't apply. Because remember, people are incentivized to sell what the organization is doing well now. And quite often these innovative ideas compete uh, with, a, with, with the existing ideas. And if you operate or you try and, and, and uh, incubate and grow this new idea within the constraints of the organization, people will use the, the, the rules of the organization. Like it's an immune response um, to try and get rid of this new foreign thing that actually threatens their little castle or their domain or whatever. Um, and a typical res immune response is something like, uh, you can't do that because it's against the rules. Yeah, these are policies that says you can't do that. Or, yeah, uh, we've tried this before, but yeah, it, it, it will not, never work here. Or um, the, the one that I like the most is over my dead body, incidentally, that can be arranged. Um, <laughs> then the, the 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 other thing that you need to bear in mind, and this is connected to the to the immune response, is if you're not willing to change the way that you do business, because new ideas quite often requires new ways of interacting with customers and new ways of servicing those customers, don't expect it to work. Yeah, so you have to rethink and relook at your business model. You have to re-look at your operating model. You have to change the way that you do things. So that implies things like changing policy, changing processes, changing your operating model, and so forth. So it's a combination of all of these factors that make something successful. So coming up with a good idea, a good new idea, is that actually the least of it. Uh, successful innovators are people who are able to do all of this stuff. And... Um, We've basically codified that, and that's what we teach people now: um, is is to to be able to do all of this stuff, uh, and to get it right more often. So typically, the the, the chances of you, you know, getting something right um, that's quite innovative, were that it succeeds, were most probably ten percent or something like that. Um, and yeah, we've proven that you can yeah start by taking up to 50, 60, 70, even eighty percent successful. Part of that success is also knowing when not to do it, yeah, because the the hurdles or the obstacles are too big, and you can go and spend your time in a more productive way doing something else. I hope that was a very long answer to a short question. No, it was it was a good answer. Thank you, Johan. Um, then, then touching that topic, what would you say is the most common roadblocks that hinder digital transformation? And what steps can leadership take to migrate these challenges? I think that one of the one of one of the problems with with the the concept, incidentally, did the share go away because I stopped it? I hope so. No. Not. Is the share still there? Yeah, it's still it's still alive. Uh, 
Okay, don't worry about That's it. That's fine. Okay, can you take it away? Okay, there we go. Shop, stop, share. There we go. Okay, um, quickly just ask the question again. So, um, what are the Good most on. common roadblocks that hinder digital transformation? Okay, and what steps can leaderships take to migrate these challenges? The, the biggest roadblock to digital transformation is to realize that it's actually not digital transformation, it's business transformation. Digital is just the tool. Um, and many executives hear the word digital and then they want to make it the CIO's problem. CIOs don't transform businesses. The whole business does that. It starts with, actually, it starts with the CEO. So to realize that transformation means that your business needs to change fundamentally. Um, uh, I can't remember who the guy from MIT was that he, George, George West, West, somebody, he used to say, or he said, um, digital transformation is about making beautiful butterflies, not fast caterpillars. Um, and many of these initiatives that's being done today is actually that it is digitization using digital technology for the business just to do what it always did. So you need to reimagine your your business, and to reimagine your business, that needs to start at the top. Okay, so that's the first hurdle. Um, the the second thing I think that's a huge hurdle for people is because they look at this and it just seems like a very daunting task. And then they want to make it somebody else's problem, if not the CIO, even worse, and this happens quite a lot, they contact a consulting company or a technology company and say, transform us. <laughs> yeah, right, as if that has ever worked. Yeah, Transformation is internal, yeah? Um, so it's hard work, yeah? And, and that's why we said, you know, our approach, the, the way that we approach it is rather... Uh, evolutionary, doing a little bit. Yeah. So literally every three months achieving something in making the business look different, behave different, act differently, create new value for customers, yeah. Um, align better to current social trends. And don't underestimate social trends. Yeah. Uh, people, the behavior of consumers has changed so significantly in the last 20 years. Um that it's delusional to think that you can still do business the way that you did 20 years ago. It's impossible. Yeah. A lot of things have changed over the years. And um, I, I hear a lot from, from many people. I'm not, not that well-aged yet. <laughs> so I can't really talk much on that topic. But um, regarding the customer experience, what, what would you say would customer experience play in the success of digital initiatives? And how can a business enhance the customer-centric strategies? Okay, now, this, if you talk about customer experience, there's two things that you can look at. You can look at the front end of it, which most people do, and they focus a lot of time and effort on that. Or <laughs> you can actually go and focus on what really matters. Um, Henry Ford said, um, if I asked customers what they wanted, they would have told me faster horses. If you want the customer to have a better experience of your product or service, you need to add more value. And for you to be able to add more value, you need to understand what is the outcomes that they desire. Um, so fundamentally, instead of 
wasting, and I'm not saying it's a waste of time, but it's not the most productive use of time. Uh, to spend a lot of time on the front end, start thinking about the back end. Start thinking about the job that the customer wants to get done. Understand that intimately. And understand that independent of what you do, yeah, because we bring bias to the to 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 the conversation. If we have a conversation about the job that the customer needs to get done, um, independent of our context or what we believe or what we think we can do, we can reimagine what we do to add better value to the customer. Yeah, what's Ted Levitt that said customers don't buy drills, they buy holes? Yeah. Understand what that outcome is. Yeah. And incidentally, that's where this whole move of jobs to be done basically originated from. Yeah, it was from once again. It's amazing how many good things that, that's happening today <laughs> started in the 50s and the 60s. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, um... Maybe it's just because I'm old and I can remember some of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> then, then Johan, I've, I've got one more question. And if there's any questions from the live listeners, please put it in the, in the chat. Mm -hmm. I want to ask, how can leadership ensure that digital transformation initiatives are not just technical upgrades, but also lead to, to tangible business outcomes and valuable creation? Touching on the fact that you said, you know, it's also an internal transformation that needs to happen. Yeah. I think you've actually given the answer in your question. <laughs> Understand what those business outcomes are, number one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think more importantly before that even um, is understand who you are. Yeah. Because quite often we're trying to achieve outcomes in our organization that's incompatible with a, with a the fabric with a with the being of our organization, the reason why we exist. Um, yeah, if if you don't understand the purpose of your organization, you're going to really find it difficult um, to make sure that all the initiatives that you that you take within the organization is successful. Uh, purpose gives us those those guide guide rails. Yeah, so, and I will say to 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 people at the top of the organization, whenever you, you want to start a new initiative, just ask yourself, is that bringing us closer to who we are, to our purpose? Is it helping us to fulfill our purpose? If not, it may be a good idea, but it's not for you. Yeah. Um, I know it sounds a little bit fluffy and spiritual, but I, th I think that leadership actually need to realize that um, the days of thinking about business in a mechanistic way is over and done. Yeah. Um, people who work in our organizations want to know that what they do matters. Yeah. Um, we, people want to know that, that they spend their time and effort making a difference. Yeah. Um, so I, that would be my answer. Yeah, oh, wow. make sure it's aligned with your with your purpose, and secondly, understand what those outcomes are that will help you to better align with that purpose of the organisation. Yeah, well, we agree with that definitely. On, um, I mean, that's one of our, our core values is purpose at the circle of excellence. So, great, great answer. Um, Incidentally, you want, in, yeah, yeah, just before we go. 
In 2007, I registered a company in South Africa. Um, I changed the name later, but the, it was the beginning of our, our consulting practice. And the name of that company was The Circle of Excellence. <laughs> wow, what yeah. are the chances, eh? <laughs> yeah, well. Coincidence. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Johan. Really appreciate it. If there's any questions you guys can fill, dot it down in the chat box. Uh, Johan's actually got a gift for all the, the live listeners. Thank you, Johan. He's sharing one of his books. Uh, it's a, a ebook uh, version, and um, it's called Competing in the Digital Future, second edition. I'll share the link right now with uh, the instructions. Show you guys. Oh, that's perfect. There yeah. you go. So, right there, Johan added in uh, the discount link or discount code that you can put in on checkout. And um, yeah, so, contact so, Yeah, yeah. So, so please don't yeah look for the the free button. It isn't there. You say purchase, and then you put in the discount code, and then you'll get a hundred percent off. Awesome. Thank you for that, Johan. Um, looks like there's no questions coming through. I see Natasha commented and says, thanks, Johan. My daughter has an experience of ADHD as well. Yeah, no, imagine, I mean, I'm, I'm ADHD and a little bit of OCD. So that's a very <laughs> weird combination. <laughs> Strong combination. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I said my head, my head is a bit noisy. That's why I do a lot of things. <laughs> but thank you very much Johan and we really appreciate all the uh, insights and expert advice that you gave us and um, thank you to everyone listening in on the live call and to all to all, all the people that are listening to the podcast we hope you guys have a great week ahead and remember to check out Johan's book cheers everyone yeah. connect on LinkedIn Johan with great. two N's H Werther yeah get him on LinkedIn Thanks, everyone. Cheers, everyone. Have a great Thanks week. Thanks for the ahead. opportunity. It's a pleasure, Han. Cheers, cheers.